0: It's another Sunday on lockdown as we all have questions about how Virginia and its local governments are doing in their response to the COVID-19 pandemic. Today, April 17th, Governor Ralph Northam went on CNN to dispute a claim from the executive branch of the federal government that states have enough resources to test. That's just delusional to be making statements like that. As of this morning, Virginia has reported 54,733 official COVID-19 tests have been performed since the beginning of March. That's a number that many are concerned is too small. The number was 1,923 a month ago. Governor Northam said part of the problem is a lack of federal direction.
1: We have no national guidance on testing. Every governor is having to, to establish our testing protocol and our supplies
0: uh, on our own on today's show, the latest from Richmond, as well as a look at how Greene County and Louisa County are responding.
2: There are certain types of meetings that the public needs to be at physically.
0: It's been five weeks since this show started, and we thank those who are listening. I said this way back in the first episode, five weeks ago, and it still holds true today. It's really important that you guys Get as much information as you possibly can about the things that are going on. Do I sound older? I feel older. These have been a very strange five weeks. Anyway, I'm going to start each program now with a look at more than just the daily recitation of the numbers from the Virginia Department of Health. There are a lot of things going on. Charlottesville City Council meets for the first time in nearly a month on Monday with a virtual meeting that will be conducted via a Zoom teleconference. Unlike the Albemarle Board of Supervisors, councilors will still hold a general public comment period at the beginning of the meeting. The main topic will be an amended budget for the fiscal year 2021. Council will vote on a resolution to extend the deadline to adopt the budget by June 30, 2020. The deadline to pay real estate property, personal property, and other taxes will be extended to June 19th. People are not driving as much during this quarantine period. The Virginia Department of Transportation has a data visualization tool that compares traffic volumes year to year. Last Sunday, vehicle trips were down 62.4% over the same time the year before. You can see this app in the show notes and customize it for sections of roadway that you use. While not exactly news, the Haven has been able to operate as an overnight shelter since soon after the declaration of emergency. City Council amended the conditions for a special use permit that usually prevents that use at their meeting on March 16, 2020. Later this week, I'm speaking with Anthony Harrow of the Thomas Jefferson Coalition for the Homeless to learn more about how some of our most vulnerable are getting through these times of quarantine. Look for that interview sometime this week on a future episode. Now, back to the numbers. This morning, the Virginia Department of Health reported 8,537 cases of COVID-19 in Virginia. That's up from 94 on March 19th. What will that number be on May 19th? That's going to depend on how well social distancing measures are followed by the populace. On Friday, Governor Northam said he has been in conversations with the White House about guidelines by which parts of the economy might be opened up this spring and summer. He said he will coordinate plans with Maryland Governor Larry Hogan and D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser. The plans from the federal government's executive branch list several guidelines to ease lockdowns. Northam said Virginia is not ready yet.
1: Those guidelines are consistent with everything we in Virginia have been doing and will continue to do a phased approach based on science and data. The first phase of those guidelines requires positive tests to be on a downward trend for 14 days. We have not met that criteria.
0: On Saturday, an additional 562 new cases were reported over Friday. This morning, there were 484 more. A major problem is that the number of tests is not increasing at the same exponential rate as infections. This week did appear to see some increase in capacity with over 2,200 new tests each day. Northam said that for now, plans must be in place to make sure public officials can get a handle on further infections.
1: We are making plans so we have screening, testing, tracking, and isolation options. We need resources for testing supplies, for the workforce to do the tracking, apps to help with this work, and more.
0: Virginia has received $1.6 billion in federal stimulus funds, and Northam said that this money will be used to provide some of those resources. Some of that funding will also go to help local governments. The Federal Emergency Management Agency has approved a request to pay for first responders and essential personnel to stay in hotels so they don't infect their families.
1: I want to remind Virginians, even though we continue to see cases go up, That doesn't mean that social distancing is not working because it is. The point of social distancing is to slow the spread, not eliminate it entirely.
0: For now, Virginia's hospitals have been able to keep up, and contracts may not need to be executed for those three temporary hospitals that the Army Corps of Engineers has been working on. But Northam said there is still a need for personal protective equipment, Earlier this month, the governor announced a $27 million state purchase of PPE, and the first shipment arrived this week. However, there are still issues.
1: The national supply chain issues around PPE remain a problem. We're trying to work around those by diversifying our sources, so we have multiple different ways to get PPE. I'm proud of the innovative ways our health care providers are coming up with to stretch their PPE supply such as decontaminating masks with ultraviolet lights.
0: On Friday, Governor Northam signed Executive Order 57, which loosens licensing restrictions for healthcare professionals and makes it easier to conduct care via teleconference. Nurse practitioners will get more privileges, and fourth-year medical students may practice in hospitals under the supervision of another doctor.
1: As a doctor, I know this pandemic is placing extraordinary demands on our doctors, nurses, nurse practitioners, PAs, and other staff. This order will allow us to expand our workforce so that more trained medical professionals can step, up, step in and help meet the need.
0: While the pandemic continues, life moves on. For some, that means moving into a long-term care facility. Northam said that from now on, anyone who enters such a place has to be tested for COVID-19 to make sure they don't introduce the infection and cause another outbreak. Another vulnerable population are the men and women in Virginia's correctional facilities. There have been many calls to release prisoners, and Northam has updated us on this for the past month.
1: Since early March, our local jail population has been reduced 17% because they are choosing alternatives to incarceration. We've also seen a 67% decrease in the number of people entering our jails on misdemeanor charges. In late February, we saw about 10,000 people entering regional or local jails over a two-week period. Now it's just over 4,000. All of this has been done with public safety in mind. My administration is talking to local and regional public safety officials on weekly conference calls. I trust local stakeholders to continue making decisions that are right for their communities.
0: The General Assembly will meet on Wednesday for their reconvened session. For this time, the House of Delegates will meet outside. The Senate will meet at the Science Museum in Richmond. But already, the legislature is looking at how to proceed moving forward, especially if the quarantine remains in place over the summer. This week, Speaker of the House Eileen feller korn floated the idea of allowing legislators to vote remotely.
1: We also have the uh, possibility uh, of coming back into of a session either july august september depending on when we're able to reforecast and depending on what this pandemic does uh, they'd need to uh, may need to continue to uh, to uh, abide by the social distancing and certainly don't want to congregate a, a large number of people uh, in a space uh, and we want to keep everybody healthy so i i think the the option of, of looking at remote voting uh, uh, as we move forward, uh, to use that type of technology is something that uh, I'm certainly open to, and I, uh, I commend uh, Speaker Fellercorn uh, Corn for pursuing that.
0: Sometimes questions from reporters can help us figure out what the next steps might be by sharing what's happening in other states. What will this new testing and tracking look like? Let's listen to this question from Julie Carey, Northern Virginia Bureau Chief for NBC4 in Washington.
3: Good afternoon, Governor. Um obviously a key to any future reopening plans is knowing who has had the virus and in Virginia, you know, we know who has recovered coming out of hospitals, but In Maryland, to help with that, they've created a registry now so that those who've recovered at home can report if they had the illness, and many of them probably didn't get tested. Why isn't Virginia doing more right now to gather that kind of recovery data, or is that something that you plan to put in place soon?
1: Yeah, the question is a registry of how we can follow individuals that have have either had the virus and recovered or who have symptoms and and Julie, I appreciate the question, and we are in almost constant communication. And I, I have more meetings this afternoon and tomorrow uh, to look at apps uh, to use the technology, as I alluded to earlier, to how how to deal with that. So, so I think uh, it's fair to say, again, in communication with our surrounding states and, and and Washington, that we're we're doing a lot of the same things, and and we certainly share a lot of the same challenges.
0: Dr. Norm Oliver, the state's health commissioner, offered more information.
1: The other thing that um, you should know, an answer to that question, is that a number of our academic partners are helping out in this regard. Um, the University of Virginia is, has uh, set up a registry around uh, COVID-19, and there's um, a, and that's a, through a multi-institution um, collaboration between UVA, uh, Virginia Tech, EVMS, Anova um, uh, Hospital Systems in Northern Virginia. Um, In in addition, there is another coalition of academic uh, institutions that is proposing to establish a COVID-19 registry as well. So uh, in addition to the things that the governor just mentioned as far as um, initiatives that we're taking, um, uh, there there's actual registries that are
0: being set up. But let's get back to testing. The Virginia Department of Health has revised the testing criteria for COVID-19 as the pandemic has unfolded there have been some critiques that the state is not conducting enough tests. Virginia's Secretary of Health, Dan Carey, addressed that on Friday and acknowledged that the state has work to do.
1: We want to get to significantly higher amounts in and you know, thousands more per day to, to accomplish the missions that the governor has outlined. So it's exploring how to do that when there's still, just like there's a PPE shortage, getting uh, new machines from manufacturers so that our our academic centers can produce more more labs per day. We're, we're scouring the country looking for that equipment and helping our institutions increase testing. We just haven't been successful because of the national shortage. But we realize that we need to get significantly higher testing to accomplish the missions that the governor has indicated have to be done.
0: Max Thornberry of the Northern Virginia Daily asked a question about testing that kind of got complicated, and I'm not quite sure I understand it but I think it's important for all of us to get used to medical terms we may have only heard on medical television programs. But this isn't a television program, so pay attention. Our governor is a doctor, and that's an important asset right now. The the post-peak landscape in Virginia, uh, we're we're not sure how safe it's going to be even after the peak until we have a vaccine. Uh, What steps are being taken to address uh, medications that will help treat coronavirus patients, not necessarily cure them, but treat them to make it uh, safer for people? And do we have any progress on tests to see who has already had the virus?
1: Two questions. Uh, let me answer the second one first Is as far as testing that's available uh, to look and see if, if anybody has had the virus. and. And we look at antibody testing versus PCR testing. The antibody tests look at IgG, IgM to see if someone's had it, uh, how long, et cetera. Um, that test is becoming more available each day, but uh, we certainly uh, don't have it to a point where, uh, where it's accessible to the, to the extent where we could uh, follow uh, trends uh, in Virginia. Um, so we, we haven't uh, gotten to that point yet. And the first part of the question, if you could just repeat that.
0: Yeah, uh, I, I'm wondering if there is any progress on medications that will help to to treat COVID-19 patients, uh, so that we would have something in an interim in between someone getting sick and being able to actually have a vaccine, which we know is still a year, a year and a half
1: out? Yes. Uh, The question is regarding medications that would treat uh, the the coronavirus uh, uh, while we're waiting for a vaccination that uh, has been dated at uh, maybe a year, a year and a half. There are clinical trials uh, going on all around the country. Uh, Some of them are actually uh, from our universities. VCU is doing clinical trials, as is UVA. And there may be some others that I'm not aware of, but um, to date, uh, I haven't heard any reports of a particular medication that uh, is successful. Uh, but those, those trials are ongoing, and we certainly are following those and uh, would welcome uh, any new medications that would be successful in, in treating this virus.
0: You're listening to the Charlottesville Quarantine Report for April 19th, 2020. So far on this program, we've heard a little bit about what local agriculture is doing to help feed people in this time of need. On Friday, I had the opportunity to interview Portia Boggs of the Local Food Hub on the drive through markets they are helping to organize.
3: We have been in communication with our growers saying, essentially, we know that things are really uncertain and scary right now. We are committed to helping you sell as much as your foo- of your food as humanly possible.
0: That was for a short video that the Piedmont Environmental Council is putting together on how food distribution is changing and how important local food is. You can catch that later on this week. In the meantime, I am looking for your stories about food, about fear, about hope, about the opposite of hope. Drop me a line about anything to wordcast at gmail.com and let's talk. After all, this podcast is meant to be a document of these times, and I want as many voices as I can get. One of the things that we're following closely on this program is the response by local governments to the pandemic we've tried to capture the sounds of elected bodies making the switch from in-person meetings to remote ones to comply with social distancing restrictions. On episode 10, we listened in on the final in-person meeting, for now, that the Green County Board of Supervisors will hold in Standardsville. At that time, on March 24th, there were no confirmed cases of COVID-19 in Green. Now, there are at least eight. Green supervisors met via Zoom on April 14th. Here's their chair, Bill Martin. It's going to be
2: a little bit awkward this evening. We're using new technology that that uh, we're unaccustomed to, so I would beg for everyone's uh, indulgence. We'll we'll work through this. We're going to have a couple of public hearings, and we're going to hear any uh, matters from the public that people have. So um, I beg indulgence and some patience as we walk, uh, work through this.
0: They got an update on all manner of COVID nineteen related items, some of which is now out of date. However. This piece of information from Emergency Services Director Melissa Metter is still relevant.
3: The Green County Public School Division continues their meal program. And they have also expanded the program to include Rutgersville Elementary School. And as a reminder, meals can be picked up from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. on Mondays and Thursdays. Um, we are continuing to provide and maintain essential services. Um, and that's not just with public safety, but, but the county as a whole. We are continuing to support our long-term care facilities. We are staying on top of CDC and the Department of Health guidance. That um, has been changing pretty much every day or every other day.
0: As you heard during the break, one thing we're on the lookout on this show are stories about local food and about how people can get access to products that grow or are raised around here. Green County Administrator Mark B. Taylor wanted to reassure the public that the Virginia Department of Agricultural and Consumer Services, or DAX, has okayed the Green Farmers Market to continue operating.
1: Our farmers market will be starting up this year, and if that seems odd, and I confess, uh, it certainly at first blush seemed odd to me, given the uh, the rest of our situation. But in fact, the state has provided guidance through VDAX. Uh, for uh, uh, social distancing and proper handling of farmers markets in this era of COVID. And Ms. Metter, would you speak to that briefly? Certainly, and I apologize for not
3: speaking to that uh, beforehand. Um, Like Mr. Taylor stated, we we did look at this issue this morning to make sure that the farmers market was in compliance. Um, The farmers market being open is not in... um, any violation of any executive order. VDAX has uh, put out some information regarding the guidelines and recommendations, and the farmer's market is following each and every one of those. Um, They will be practicing social distancing. They are offering online orders, curbside pickup. Um, So we are comfortable with the measures that are in place.
0: On April 14th, the Green Board of Supervisors held two public hearings, One was for a special use permit to allow tourist lodging on a property, and it was a test of how Green is getting along with public comment taken remotely. In this clip, you'll hear from Planning Director Jim Friedel.
2: I would propose uh, we have a public hearing now, and uh, you can decide, Mr. Friedel, maybe you want to read the written email comments first and then go to the callers or whatever you choose since you're hosting this. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, What I will recommend is I'll read the comments that we received uh, through the email comment period for the board's record. Um, And before I do that, though, I'll remind anyone who's participating. Some of you I recognize from the Planning Commission meeting. If you do wish to make a comment Simply uh, either dial star nine if you're joining us by telephone. So star nine, and that will raise your hand. Or uh, if you are participating through video, then you would go to the toolbar, Mm -hmm. click on participants, and at the bottom of the list of participants, there is a button to raise your hand.
0: No one opted to speak on the phone, so Friedel read several emails out loud.
2: Um, And I'll read the other ones that, that did make it through. Hello, I am writing to voice continued support for David Vanderveer's property called the Treehouse at the White Lotus Resort. I have not stayed here before, but I have seen the venue and know the White Lotus very well overall. This tends to be a very isolated and safe place for people to stay and I really hope you take this into consideration. I am very concerned about the virus spread, but even I can't find a problem with providing this permit to the treehouse.
0: No one took advantage of the online public comment opportunities, and the item was approved.
1: In accordance with the Green County Zoning Ordinance, public necessity, convenience, general welfare, and good zoning practice, I move to approve Special use permit number 20 zero
0: we We're still in the early days of how local government in Virginia is operating under continuity of government ordinances. We don't know how long it will take for it to be safe enough for people to return to meetings like this. I applaud local governments that are carefully proceeding with comment on land use items, but I remain concerned that some in the state are moving ahead before the public is fully ready to engage. After all, there's a public health crisis going on. Would a major rezoning happening this month or next really be legitimate? There are
2: certain types of meetings that the public needs to be at physically. I just 100%
0: believe that. They have to look us in the eye, we have to look them in the eye and vote accordingly. That's Eric Purcell, vice chair of the Louisa County Board of Supervisors, at the April 6th meeting of that elected body. All seven members and several staff members attended that meeting in person, even though the public was not allowed to the administration building was closed. Here's Robert Babbiock Jr., the chair of the Louisa County Board of Supervisors. Uh, first off, welcome everybody who is watching this and participating and going to participate in one way or another.
1: First off, I'd like to reassure you that our county is organized, equipped, and prepared to function as the need arises. Americans have always been resilient in times of adversity We adapt and advance. In these unprecedented times, we want to be smart, safe, and spirited.
0: But the foremost on our minds is the safety, security, and well-being of all county residents and employees. And that will remain paramount. Watching the video, only about half of the dozen or so people in the room were wearing masks. As the meeting progressed, some of them even took them off. At this April 6th meeting, Louisa voted on their continuity of government ordinance, which allows for them to decide to meet electronically. Here's Louisa County Attorney Helen Phillips.
3: Members of the board, first let me say I'm very glad to see that you all seven are here and doing well. This ordinance is based on the necessity to ensure essential governmental functions continue during this disaster while recognizing the extreme danger to the public of personal contact caused by the COVID-19 virus.
0: Yet, Phillips herself was not wearing a mask and appeared to be sitting close to other people in the room. What's even more odd is that the supervisors have a meeting scheduled for April 20th, and the agenda does not even seem to indicate that anything is out of the ordinary. The comments you heard from Eric Purcell came shortly before the board adopted the continuity of government ordinance. Purcell wants to make sure that Louisa doesn't take votes on anything that isn't essential. Not on items
2: uh, that are essential or that are time-sensitive like budgets where we have, you know, time matters that we have to deal with at the, the higher levels. But for example, an ordinance change or something like that that doesn't need to happen within six months as opposed to seven or as opposed to eight. So I just hope that we'll use good common sense and how we use this emergency power
0: to meet in this fashion. At their April 6th meeting, Louisa County Supervisors held a public hearing on the Fiscal Year 21 budget, a document that they will adopt at their April 20th meeting. Five people spoke on the telephone at that hearing. Is that enough to be meaningful? There are just so many things we're just going to have to wait and find out. And document. (laughs) And that's it for today's show. To conclude this installment, let's hear a little bit more piano from Frank Dukes, who has been brushing up on his skills during this time of quarantine. We'll be back soon with another installment on this program. I'm Sean Tubbs, and I thank you for listening. Please do look at the show notes for all kinds of resources each and every week. That's where I put quotes from the show, as well as resources of things I think you might be interested in knowing about. I'm Sean Tubbs, and I thank you for listening to the Charlottesville Quarantine Report.